Hello, hello, and welcome back to Industry Town. Um, today is our penultimate episode of our deep dive into voiceover. Uh, next week, I'll share the last one. Um, that one was supposed to go up this week. It's awesome. It's a two-part interview with two amazing women who are just totally crushing it in voiceover, including a total living legend. But I, I messed up a couple of the things recording it over Zoom. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed. I'm trying to fix it. And so I'm hoping I can make that a little better for next week. So we're juggling around and we are uh, we're gonna go this week um, we're gonna talk about the business end of voiceover a little bit today th- today's guest is a voiceover agent in fact it's my voiceover agent Tom Lawless from Vox and Tom he's not just a voiceover agent and not just a very good voiceover agent he's also the president of Vox he's the president of the whole damn thing which means that he has to handle the day-to-day be thinking five years ahead and figuring out how the whole agency handles a pandemic so uh, he's a very busy guy. I really appreciate his time and his expertise that he shared. And I tried to ask him every question I could possibly imagine, everything I could be interested in, things I could imagine, clients being interested in. So we talk about a ton of stuff. We talk about auditioning and demos, equipment, getting signed by an agent, creating relationships, uh, feedback. We, we talk about every single damn part of this. So um and he answered everything I threw at him. So I, I tip my cap to him on that. So, yeah, I hope you're enjoying whatever you're doing right now, whether it's a drive or a hike or you're just cleaning your apartment. But, uh, yeah, Tom has a whole bunch of great stuff to say. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn a ton. And here is Tom Wallace. Lock it up. Very quiet and still. Ready. Scene one, take three, A mark. I'm here with Tom Lawless. Tom, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's great to see you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great to see you too. Um, so I want to just jump right in and I want to ask about your life during pandemic. Um, how would you say now that we're six months in or so, how has you your, and your life and your work from home adapted over the last six months? Yeah, you know, it, honestly, it, it's funny. Like it hasn't, you know, except for probably the first couple of weeks when we were getting, you know, used to what these changes were going to look like, it, it hasn't adjusted all that much. I mean, the, the thing about how we had always kind of conducted, you know, our business over the last number of years is that, you know, we were one of the first agencies in the country to kind of have our talent really get set up to at least record auditions, you know, from their home. Um, and that was a big deal, you know, 10 plus years ago when we, when we did this. Um, but obviously it had become a little bit more of the norm over the last number of years. But, but like I said, for us, it's been such kind of our normal routine that, you know, the main thing for us was obviously getting ourselves set up at home, you know, since we weren't going to be physically going into the offices um, anymore. For me personally, it wasn't that bad because I was already set up. I mean, I, I had gotten to the point where I'd moved down, um, you know, to Pellsford, which is pretty far away from, from the office. Um, and so I had gotten set up and I was r- working from home every Friday prior to the pandemic. And so, you know, for me, the good news was it was, you know, I didn't have to do anything extra in terms of setup and this and that. It was just more the realization of what, um, you know, what you was going to need to be brought with you and, and to know that this was going to be the permanent home rather than, rather than the office. Um, but, you know, that took about a couple of weeks to kind of get 
you know, everyone fully set up and functional to where they felt like they were in the office um, and whatnot and getting used to, you know, just us communicating with each other, obviously, the, the difference being instead of, you know, shouting, you know, out the door at, you know, you know, Franny that's sitting right there to, to ask a question or walking into West or Michaela, um, you know, most of it obviously is done now via like, you know, an IM or, or something like that. And, and obviously we'll, we'll hop on calls when we need to talk through something and, you know, we'll still do staff meetings every couple of weeks or so on Zoom so we can remember what each other looks like and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it was, uh, it was a fairly seamless transition because, you know, we'd get the, you know, the auditions out to the clients and the clients were reading from home like usual. I think the major thing over the first couple of weeks especially was the realization that, you know, the good news was that voiceover was going to continue, but the adjustment was going to be that not only were the auditions going to be from home, but almost all the jobs were going to have to be done from home. And so clients had to get set up with Source Connect and some of these other, you know, things to be able to connect with studios to be able to do their jobs from there as well. And so that took certainly a little bit of corralling and getting, you know, getting as many forks on our folks on board as we could. Um, but once we got there, like I said, it, it kind of just went business as usual. You know, the, the auditions would come in, we'd get them out and, and we just kind of keep rolling. So it sounds like a relatively seamless transition. Um, but that also sounds like you're talking a lot from from the client side in terms of auditions Correct. rolling out. What's it like? I mean, you're the president of Vox, that you're not just an agent there. There's, there's right. larger responsibilities. So when it comes to things like, are you guys keeping your office? Are you, do you think about things like that? And uh, what about sure. on the business side have you had to figure out and wrestle with? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly, you know, even a few weeks into it, you know, all of a sudden you go, hmm, okay, this is kind of working. So from a business standpoint, you go, do we keep our offices? Do we do that moving forward regardless of when this comes out? And honestly, those, those discussions are ongoing still. Um, you know, for us, we're kind of in a lease at the moment with the office, so there isn't an you know, emergency need to figure that one out um, from that sense. And, and obviously, most buildings aren't eager to just say, oh, we understand what's going on and we'll let you out of your lease. You know, everyone's kind of scrambling a little bit because it's, it's a tough time in their areas as people are starting to realize maybe we don't need this kind of office space. Well, and to give context to any listeners, you guys have some pretty prime real estate. It's mid Wilshire, right on Wilshire, top of one of those big, beautiful buildings. And it's a great, I mean, honestly, when you go in there, it's impressive and (laughs) these are beautiful and it feels. And we do love it. And there's things about that, you know, great to kind of have that home base to come to and this and that, but you do, you start to look at it from a financial aspect as well. And you go, okay, can we, not only can we run this business, but can we thrive? you know, running this business this way and doing it remotely and, you know, what are there different ways with, you know, we can handle this, whether, you know, once we're able to see other humans again and we want to maybe set up some in-person meetings, maybe we just do lunches at certain restaurants instead of having an office to come into and, and, and this and that. And so those are the different things that you start to discuss and realize and and see, like, does it hurt, you know, will it hurt with with, with clients? Will they want there to be an office to go into at times? And Quite frankly, does that matter? I mean, you know, and again, you know, all of those, you know, those types of things. And do we do more where, you know, rather than that, we just say, hey, we, maybe we do quarterly get-togethers with the client somewhere so we can at least get some face time and, and do some of those things rather than have the office and, and some of those things. So there's there's a lot of different things that, that kind of go into it. And, and to your point, like that, that's that's something we'll continue to discuss because it's absolutely, um, you know, a decision that, that, that will be made. And, and it's... Obviously, the pandemic has, has opened a lot of people's eyes into 
what those possibilities look like. It's probably not something we would have thought of prior to it, or even if we thought of it, nothing you'd necessarily want to pull the trigger on because those types of things can be used against you sometimes in terms of other agencies and other things. I mean, to that point, you know, when we, when we did originally go and, and have our clients start to audition from home, um, we'd heard, you know, from other, some other folks that some agencies were telling clients, oh, Vox has closed their booths, they're not doing anything, which wasn't necessarily true, but you know, I, you know, I get it. You know, they're kind of, you know, working around those things. And so, you know, originally if you look at, Hey, you know, Vox has closed their doors. They don't even have physical offices anymore. If we had tried that in the normal environment, that would have been difficult to overcome. But I think, you know, obviously six months into it now, our clients have seen how this has worked and, and I don't think it has negatively affect any of them, quite frankly, none that I've heard about um, in terms of how the business is working and how they feel represented and, will be in touch with us and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that would be an easier discussion to have at that point saying, Hey, this is what we're doing. And people will go, okay, <laughs> it's worked out fine so far. So, you know, the proof of the concepts kind of already there. So it just changes the conversation. And uh, surrounding all this, like how is, how's, how's home life? Like, are you homeschooling any kids right now? How are you juggling all of this stuff? Yeah. So like it's, it's easier for me than some, certainly I don't, you know, I have a a stepdaughter who's a senior in high school. So she is homeschooling at the moment, but now it doesn't require a lot of anything from my end. She, (laughs) she, she's better with that stuff than I am even anyway. Um, And so, um, you know, she's, she's in another room and, and does her school on a day to day basis. I'm in another room and doing my work and, um, you know, we're kind of just doing it that way. And it's, it's worked out okay. I mean, I think, um, especially in the beginning, it was, it was really nice because quite frankly, I, you know, during the week, I'd rarely see my wife and, and daughter. Like they, you know, like I'd, especially living as far as away as I did, I'd leave really early in the morning. I wouldn't get home till very late at night. And that would be that, you know, and so I'd basically see him on the weekends, you know. And so this has been kind of nice because we've gotten to spend some more time together, um, especially with her being a senior and, you know, going off to school probably next year. Um, you know, I have definitely have cherished that aspect of it. And, you know, I'm sure there are moments where she thought that was nice for a while. And now I'm like, maybe you're a little bit too close to all the time. You know, we see each other quite a bit these days, certainly. But, uh, but overall, I, I, I'm grateful for that. And also, like I said, I mean, I know there's others that have three little ones maybe at home that are trying to do all work and do all this at the same time. And that is, that's a challenge. I mean, I, it's just, there's no way around it. And, and I applaud everyone because it's, it's tough enough as it is. Right. You know, so, um, you yeah, know, I applaud parents. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Tip of the cap. Uh, you know, my brother has two kids that are under two. He has a six month old mm. and a 20 month old. And so my wife and I during pandemic, we're helping out a lot. They live five minutes away. It's our quarantine. Oh, okay. And those three hours a day that I'm there sometimes that, that's it for me that day. Like good luck yeah. trying to do anything else. Exactly. Three hours. I'm toast. Yeah. I'm done. It's yeah. everything I have. <laughs> exactly. I, Every ounce of energy that I have today I felt, is gone. I felt so humbled. I felt so <laughs> humbled. I was like, oh, I've learned. I have limitations I didn't know about. And a one and a half year old has exploited them. Um, so I want to go back to this idea of you being the president of Vox. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, I think most people think of agents as, as, as doing the job of an agent and not recognizing that there's a larger corporate structure and vision. Can you talk sure. about what it means to be the president of an agency and what types of other responsibilities are on your plate? Sure. So, um, and, and, you know, I appreciate you noticing that difference because there is a different, you know, and, and there is, um, you know, sometimes, you know, but I, I think one of the important things to note is that, you know, from my side is that, 
you know, I still am an agent. You know, there's some that, um, you know, depending on the size of the company and whatnot, there's some that people are more, maybe you'll be the president of an agency and you only have your fingers in terms of agenting on a couple of bigger deals and a couple of these types of things. Um, and you're ov- overall, you know, seeing the overall staff and other things, you know, for the majority of the time. With me, it's a little bit more of a balance because we are smaller and we like the size that we are and we like the efficiency at which the agency runs um, allows us to run it how we really want to run and have everybody kind of on that same page. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's a balance because I am agenting a lot of the day. And so a lot of the kind of presidential responsibilities can fall to outside hours and, and, and those types of things, because that's really the way it's been structured and the way I need to deal with it. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's from everything from, you know, the discussions, that we talked about a few minutes ago in terms of what the overall, what overall makes sense for the agency in terms of, you know, whether we're going to stay in an office or whether we're going to do this and whether we're going to do that. Those are, those are things that I need to kind of constantly be thinking about as well as um, just the overall structure of the client list and the overall structure of how, um, how that's working, you know, what clients are working, what is it, what's the big picture um, in terms of, in terms of the list, how they're doing. And then also, in terms of the day-to-day operations, like are, is there things that we could be doing more efficiently? Are there things that don't make sense that we're doing? And so, in that sense, I'll rely a lot on you know our um, not only the clients themselves, but also you know our staff, you know, just for them to be uh, understanding, to be open, and be like, hey, this is working, but this is taking too much of my time. It doesn't really seem beneficial, and we can talk it through and um, you know come to a come to a consensus on what makes sense overall as the company. And so, um, you know, there's just the best way to put it, you know, on that side is that there's, there's the minute to minute day to day interaction that you have as an agent that will never go away. Uh, But then there's also, you know, you need to be thinking in terms of that bigger picture um, all the time, you know, so it's that that combination that um, rather than to your point, if you're just an agent, and I don't mean to say it like that, but you know, if that's what you're like, the only thing you're focused on is getting the reads, getting the auditions, finding the relationships, getting the buyers, booking the talent, negotiating the deals. Like you're just worried about that aspect and bringing in that side. And while I do try to, you know, have that aspect as well, um, there's these other things um, that need to be, you know, in my conscience on a day to day basis. Um, and how does that, where does, what's the Venn diagram of those types of responsibilities for you and for Wes, who for anyone who's listening right now and doesn't know, he's CEO of Vox. Um, what, yeah, how are those uh, responsibilities shared or what is he doing differently in that capacity? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the simplest way to put it is that he's probably more of the macro in terms of the overlooking of the outlay of the agency, some of these bigger types of ideas, directions that we're going. And I'm a little bit more responsible for the day-to-day operations specifically of the VO department, you know, where it's like he trusts me and kind of needs me to be able to say, hey, if there's something going on, within the day-to-day that, like I said, does make sense, doesn't make sense. If there's an issue with an employee, if there's an issue with this, you need to, you know, let me know. We can have that discussion and kind of talk it through maybe on a bigger picture level. Um, but it's my, definitely more my responsibility in that day-to-day since I'm in the thick of it on a day-to-day. A quick break to talk about our presenting sponsor, John Rosenfeld Studios. Um, this is more of a personal uh, read for me because I've been at John Rosenfeld Studios since day one as a client, and I've been teaching there for 10 years. Um, I just want to take a second to advocate for online acting classes. I don't know if you've been doing it yet, but what I can tell you is that they work. Oh my God, they work. Um, 
you know, I've been I've been teaching for six months now over Zoom, and what I've found is that there's a learning curve, and that the people who've been studying and practicing have nailed that, and now they're ready. They're ready for auditions over Zoom. They're ready for table reads. They know how to handle the tech. They know how to actually bring some degree of environment and emotional connection and authenticity and presence to something that seems kind of uh, antithetical to all that. And it's not just that. Like, yes, it's great. It's it's really cool that they're booking jobs as they're starting to come and that they're ready to. But it's also clearly a home for people. It's a way to get connection and community. And it's really beautiful seeing that people are excited to spend four more hours on the computer because they love each other and they love the connection they find together. So I'm a huge advocate for that. I've seen it in my clients and I've seen it in my own work. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge advocate for it. And if you're interested, please check out johnrosenfeld.com. We have ongoing classes, audition classes, and uh, a whole bunch of coachings and tapings. So check that out. Okay, back to Tom. I'll tell you that the the recording from home was something I found very attractive uh, when I first was introduced to you guys. Um, mm-hmm. In part because you know, it it is more practically easy a lot of the time, although it's wonderful to get the feedback live and that's always a a push pull. But what I also liked about it was just, it just seemed forward thinking. It Mm -hmm. like these people clearly see where things are changing and they want to embrace technology and they want to embrace how to evolve in this business. And that point of view was just so attractive and felt like, Oh yeah. yeah." Thanks. And that, and that really was, you know, and that's one of the things that has always been nice about working here and working with Wes is that that's always been something that we've tried to do, you know, rather than just sit and just do it every day, the way it's been done and do all this. And, and again, there's aspects of the business that, that are like that. It's just, it, you know, there are certain things that are just done now they're done and that's fine. Um, but there is, there's different ways to look at things. And there's hopefully, you know, we'd rather be on the front side of the changes of the business than reacting. Um, and that's kind of something we've always kind of take pride on and how we've done it. And, and, and again, to that, that specific aspect was, it was a big deal at the time because no one had really done it that way. And there was, there was a realization that some weren't going to like it, you know, and, and some weren't going to feel comfortable. We may lose some clients from it and this and that. And, you know, we went into those, you know, that thought process calculating those risks and the risk reward for it. And we ended up saying, you know what, that may happen, but we think long-term this makes sense and it's going to be where they're going anyway. And, and to your point, I mean, I think we also started to realize that, there may be some clients that don't like that. They really need to go in and, 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 and get the direction. And that's just, they can't really see it any other way. And you go, okay. And there may be some that were really sad to lose, but long-term it probably makes sense because we're not going to be on the same page and how we think this business is evolving. And how you do have a lovely booth with a wonderful agent. I mean, and we, you know, and, 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 and our booth director's been with us for twenty years, so it's it's not as though you know. And the one thing, one of the things that was important to, to get across to the clients was that it wasn't as though just because you're coming in anymore that nothing was getting listened to, the quality control was gone, or anything like that. Like our booth director, who they know and trust, was going to be listening to everything that comes in. If there are notes to be made, you absolutely would send it along, and you know, we'd, we'd maintain that kind of integrity along with the process. Um, but at the same time, the dinosaur aspect to us was that like, this was, you know, and, and again, like the thought was there is going to be people that say, this doesn't work for me. I need to be at an agency where you can go in and that's going to be more regular and stuff. And then we'd say, okay, great. Like, you know, it's also our philosophy that there isn't one 
only one way to do it. There, there's, there's ways that work better for us and the clients that see that and, and embrace that, I think we're going to have a better working relationship anyway. And so, you know, again, there's people over the years where it's like, I don't think that works for me. Okay, there's other agencies out there that would probably be a better fit for you. And then vice versa. There was others that were doing it at this other side and like, I really like the way they're doing it. And so, you know, and, that, and, and to me, as long as you stay true to what you think works, you're going to develop and, and, and work with a client base that, that feels the same way. And I think that only works best for everyone. You know, I want to ask you, I think this, you're already kind of hitting this a little bit, but where would you say Vox fits into the landscape of voiceover agencies right now? And, and specify that a little bit more in terms of what you're That's funny. I purposely left that vague because I, I was, I purposely left that vague because I, I mean, I can't, I, I, I just it left, on, bro, but. it left some room <laughs> for the way you might want to take that because there's a couple different okay. ways, um, you know, you could say it's the, you could say it's the giant in the room or the, uh, you know, the, the fun upstart on the outside, but you can also talk about, you know, how big are you guys compared to another agency? And, uh, sure. you know, we, I definitely have heard, it seems like more techno technologically forward is definitely part of it. Yeah. Trying to, yeah. And I think so. And I think that's a piece. Yeah. I mean, I think the one way I kind of look at it and I, and I try to keep it, you know, especially if you're talking about agencies, it just kind of makes sense to keep it within the, um, market that you're in. Like I don't compare us too much to New York and San Francisco and some of these others, because everyone's kind of a little bit different in, in how they handle things. But in terms of Los Angeles, you know, I think they're, you know, uh, being a little vague, but I, I would say there's probably seven or eight really solid agencies that are working consistently that we consider peers, I, I think is the best way to put it. And so, and I think there are within those seven or eight, there are different ways that each of us do it. There are some agencies that are, their VO departments are a smaller part of an overall larger, maybe theatrical division and, and some of these types of things. Um, and that's, you know, how that works for them. And that's, that's fine. Um, for us, this is what we do. You know, this is all we do. Um, and so every decision that gets made, there are other aspects of the company that, you know, where that weighs in. It's like, this is it. This is, this is, this is our livelihood and this is how we get it done. And so, um, you know, I, I think that separates us from a couple. And then I do, th I think size wise, we're probably a little bit smaller in terms of number of clients than some of the other, what I would consider peers. Um, and that is, is definitely a conscious based effort from us. I mean, I, th I think it's, it's something where we've always tried to keep the list very tight. We're, we haven't been one of those that, um, kind of throws everything against the wall and sees what sticks kind of thing. It's, it's a little bit more, I want to say managerial because we're obviously an agency and we've got a decent number of clients. We're not a boutique. I don't like that kind of, you know, description. So it's somewhere in the middle of that, I would say, but it's, it's definitely a little bit more focused. Um, I know from, you know, from stuff from clients and sometimes I'll get people from like, Hey, do you have this audition? I'm like, yeah, it came in four minutes ago and we haven't cast it yet. But like, I know that some of the other agencies that they're getting it from are just hitting a button and sending it out to pretty much all their clients. Like we take a little bit more um, time with casting it and, and actually putting the clients that we feel like have a great shot at it. And, um, and so we're getting a little bit more of a targeted set of reads back to the buyers. And I know that they, you know, we, over the years, we feel like they appreciate that and they come to us and expect that. And and I think that makes a difference. And I feel like our stuff gets listened to very consistently from top to bottom because they know that we're not sending them 10 great reads and 40 okay ones, you know? And so, um, you know, 
that's always been a little bit of more of a focus um, from on our end. And, and I do think, you know, in this day and age where it's, it's so easy to get a voice up for audition, whether, you know, wherever from people all over the country, agencies all over the country, all that kind of stuff. I think uh, more and more the quality control makes a difference because the buyer can go, Hey, you know, I may be getting hundreds and hundreds of reads, but I know I'm going to get good stuff from these guys or these guys and these guys. So I, I think overall that makes a difference in making sure your stuff's in the mix at all times. Um, there's so much interesting stuff that you just talked about in there. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the workflow of how you get those targeted reads? Because somebody's got to be pouring over every set of sides that comes in, and there's got to be right. some kind of way that you interact with your list, not beginning with, hmm, what do I think about this? You know, there's got to be some kind of system in place. So I'm very curious because, boy, the auditions that do come in feel very specific and targeted, mm -hmm. and um, you do feel that from the client end how do you possibly pull that off yeah i mean a lot of it is just i mean basically all the um uh, all the jobs go through go to a, a certain point agent that's handling the job um and so they are um they're literally going through the list and seeing the specs that they've asked and, and also looking at the script itself and so you can kind of get most of the time when you even before you get specs maybe if they'll give you a male or female or something like that, you know, if you get a basic idea, but before you even look at the specs, if you read say a piece of copy, you kind of get a feel for who sounds like who you hear mm -hmm. as an agent and knowing your clients, like who, who's going to nail this? Like who do you hear when you see this thing? And so, you know, we all go through that kind of that process. And luckily because I've been doing this now over 20 years and obviously know the client list very well. And, and Mikhail has been here for a number of years now and knows the list very well. And Jason, our booth director, gets very involved in that aspect because no one knows the clients better than he does. He's listening to them every day, all day in terms of their capabilities and who's doing well right now and those types of things. And so the three of us um, at some way or level um, look at every piece of copy and, and, and go over every spec and pour it over and, the idea, you know, we look over the list and, and we put the folks that, that we think makes sense. And obviously it's not, in, you know, the nice part about doing it that way is that we tried it. We thought about it before about, you know, maybe we just, you know, get kind of automated to a sense or everybody in their thirties or maybe comedic and we hit a button and all these names come up and it just didn't work. Like it just, there was, it's, it's too formulaic that way. There's too many people that are going to be left out that, in your, it's more of a brain, but it's like, no, that person could read this, even though maybe it doesn't fit the specs perfectly. Like I know what they bring to the table on this and, and these types of things. And so we went back more to that, to that way. Um, but we're able to do it fairly quickly because, because we do know the list so well and we get that. And, and because you're getting, you know, script upon script upon script every day, um, oftentimes similar scripts come up and you're like, Oh, I was just thinking about all these people and here they go again, you know, maybe we'll add this person, this person, this person. So, it's um, it's it, yeah. It's it's it, like I said. It is a balance because we're trying to get things turned around as quickly as possible. Um, but at the same time, having a quality control aspect of it, and that doesn't just mean the back end where Jason's listening to everything and sending it on. It's just as important to get it right on the front end so that he's not listening through forty things and you know twenty of them he has to get rid of because they're not right. You know, so it's it's a balancing act on those sides, and we just we try to do it from start to finish as as efficiently as possible. That's really cool. Um, so uh, let's talk about the audition because, you know, some people are going to be listening to this who already auditioned in voiceover and some people are, are going to have only had an on-camera audition in their life. And they're not going to know too much about this. So in terms of the auditions that you get 
sent into you. What percent, you were saying that, you know, sometimes a certain number of them are not really on the mark, so you can't send them on. Like what percent ballpark, obviously, are you able to send on on average? Uh, Because of the way we do it, I think 90, 90%, 95 sometimes. Uh, The only time where it may be a significantly amount smaller than that is when we are handcuffed maybe by um, the buyer themselves saying only send us five, only send us 10 or something like that. And it may be a broad range that we want to read some more people on and then realize that we can only send 10, you know, maybe we send it out to 22 and we only, you know, get, we're only able to send 10 of them or something like that. Um, Those are the only times where um, we chop up that much, you know, in terms of what's going out. Most of the time, the stuff that comes in, there's a reason why you were on it. As long as the person, you know, took it seriously and there's not a dog yapping in the background or things, you know, things of that nature, um, you know, they'll move on. Sometimes we'll try people, maybe give it a shot in our minds and it just didn't work. And that's okay. You know, like it, it's not, they've even done anything wrong. It just didn't, we gave it a shot. It just didn't they work. Were, and they so, were okay. the wild card choice. Exactly. And sometimes you go, okay, they're wild card for a reason and <laughs> it's all good. And you move on to the next day. And, it, and it's, you know, I know clients oftentimes wonder about that. And, you know, because there's not a ton of feedback in our business in general, like we don't get much from the buyer other than let's book. Um, and so, you know, oftentimes they're like, oh my God, is my stuff even getting sent and this and that? You know, the best way I can describe it to them is that for some reason, if you're sending in reads and and we're going through a stretch where we're, we've been, we've actually not sent in a few of them for some reason, like as things have been off this and that, we'll let you know because it's like, we're not here to waste your time, our time, this and that. Again, every once in a while, if you're on one of those things where we put it out to 22 we can only send 10 and we didn't send it along we're not necessarily going to let you know because it's nothing you did and nothing we do to correct it's just the you know what we're dealing with that day so um that's the best way to put it is that if there's if there's an issue with the reads consistently you will hear from us Um, but otherwise you know we're happy with what's coming in and 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 that's that is the toughest part of how we do things now because before when you went into the office even if you didn't get something you could at least get a feel you know, from yeah. the boot director who's yeah. looking at you, like, you just like, all right, I think I did well on that. I think I did this. Now it's, you know, it's, 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 it's just you, you know? And, and if you're not getting feedback, that usually means we like it, but that also usually means you're going, all right, I hope they liked it. You know, so, exactly. um, yeah, you know, and so it's, that's, that's the delicate balance. And so what we've seen over the years is that every once in a while we'll get somebody who's, especially somebody who's maybe relatively new with us, um, you know, a few months in going, Hey, just making sure you like what I'm doing, you know? And it's like, Absolutely. Don't mind having those conversations and, you know, put that reassurance there that, that we're either thrilled or there's little things we could tweak or whatever. Um, but um, but that, that's probably the toughest part about how the business is run in general these days, just because there's so little interaction. Do you have a general belief in how many takes someone should do or how long they should spend on an audition? Yeah, uh, you, know, you could spend forever. You could literally okay. spend from getting that audition at 4 p.m. until it's due at 9 a.m. And that is, um, uh, that was probably one of the biggest issues we dealt with in the beginning uh, because it was all of a sudden you had, the, I mean, everybody was used to sitting in the lobby, going to the booth, knowing I only have a couple minutes and then I'll get out, you know, and all of a sudden you go, oh my God, I got all night if I want, you know, and, you know, I had some clients be like, all right, I worked in this for five hours. I'm like, oh, no, that's not what we want. Um, you know, so uh, it, well, it, there, there is, I mean, quite frankly, most of the time, especially if it's commercial copy or things of that nature, like two or three takes, you know, and, and after that, you're probably overthinking it. The one 
The one part about how one, I think there's many actually, but, but one of the nice parts about doing it from home is that the one thing I think it saves is we used to call it like the light bulb moment. Like when you left our office and go, shoot, that's what I want to do with it. And I'm now I'm gone. And this, this allows that, like, you may wake up in the middle of the night going, Oh man, I want to do it like this. Well, now you can, cause you, you still got a little time with it. Um, but that's different than sitting in front of it and just hammering the thing for hours and hours and trying to, I think you lose the organic quality. I think you lose the, and as you know, with most of the stuff these days, they're looking for a little bit more real, a little bit more that that stuff can start to get sucked away. The more you analyze and the more you reread and the more you do that. I literally would say two or three takes at the most, most of the time, 20 years in most of the time, the person's first take ends up being the best. It just, it just does. Um, and, and the ones that book consistently are the ones, and, and again, one of the reasons why we felt comfortable in making this movie years ago, like, look, the ones that are booking all the time are walking in and going, thanks, and walking out of the book, not even waiting for our direction, you know? And it's like, that, there's something to that, you know? There's something to um, looking in, just seeing a piece, this is how it hits me, this is how it comes, and that, that ends up being usually the one that, that works. You know, I miss the parking lot walk read <laughs> i always thought i always i had picture like walking out of warner brothers across the little bridge there to their parking lot that's like right. the most consistent memory i have but it's funny i've actually worked that into my at home vo process where i'll mm-hmm. do a couple takes and then i will pretend like i sent it and i will walk away for 20 minutes and if i have a epiphany if i have my oh shit then i go back mm-hmm. and i do that and that rarely happens once that pressure's not there it really right. you're generally getting it i think a that's a times, great way to go about it yeah i think that's a couple times I, i've been I like love hearing that because i think that's that's like you said you don't need to go away for four years you know but you just gotta like go away for a half hour and come back and go well i think that was it or or yeah, yeah nobody will try this i think that's great yeah Okay, one more break to talk about Actor Salon. One more uh, moment of egregious self-promotion for me. I apologize. Um, do you know what Actor Salon is? Actor Salon is classes on the business side of the industry. That could be understanding this entire crazy environment and career. That could be the actual work that you need to do. We're talking marketing, branding, uh, networking, relationship building, content creation, headshots, how to take a meeting, how to reach out, how to connect referrals, how to build your social media, all of that stuff. Really what we do is we help people achieve their dreams. We help them manufacture wins in their careers and ways to go forward. But while we're doing that, the thing that makes it so special is that we're taking care of the people too. Um, Do you need accountability to make sure that you're showing up for yourself? Do you need a little bit of community supporting you along the way to help make those dreams happen? And I'll tell you, we end every class with gratitudes and it's pretty neat how regularly clients share that they're grateful for class and they're grateful for each other. So um, yeah, if you're looking for structure, accountability, or ways to kind of make your acting career uh, be a little more fruitful, please check out Actor Salon, where all audits are free. So go to actorsalon.com and you can learn all about Actor Salon and you can also sign up for a free audit. Okay, back to Tom. Um, more questions about the audition though, because I do think this is so important. Um, technology. Mm. Um, we could talk forever about different mics and setups and all this stuff. And I think it's a very intimidating piece to people. Yeah. Um, what is the kind of, I think the most, where I want to start this conversation is like, what is the bottom line needed? You know, what, what's the bottom line of acceptable? Well, it's funny. Like for me, it's, 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 it's not even technology based. It's more just, you know, what I get that I just need a clean MP3. 
I need a clean, concise, like where there's no dead sound, there's no dead air, there's no outside noise that you hear is more this. It's just so you can crisply hear the audition and the voice and the read. Um, you know, and some people that, you know, we've had people over the years that have went, gone out and invested 10 grand in their mic and the first thing they send stinks. I'm like, what, what happened? Like, what, you know, what, what are you doing? And so we need to, you know, it's usually just something we need to figure out on that end. And then there's other times where people are just like, like, that sounded great. Well, you know, what do you have? They're like, I just did it on my phone in the car. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what you did, but that sounded really good. You know, so it, I don't ever put as, like, there's definitely, you know, smarter people than I am in this, in the technology space that we refer people to when they want to get set up and, and do some of these things. And there's, there's definitely different kind of base models that I think work. Um, but for the most part, in terms of, like I said, in terms of what we need, I'm like, you know, from the audition side of things, I just need a clean MP3 where I, you know, there's, um, you can be compared to others and not have anything going on in terms of the vocal quality take you out or, or throw them off or something like that. More on this, um, especially because it's all from home. What about what level of editing or any kind of post-production is acceptable? Yeah, I mean- 1%. That- yeah, the most, uh, like, definitely some is okay. The one thing that we're, you know, we've seen it over the years where people, like, literally start to edit out breaths and do some of these things. I, I, I think that's dangerous. Um, I, I think, like, I never want to, first off, never want you to get sent in a read that you can't recreate naturally. You know, I mean, I think some of these things, like, I, I think that's, uh, you know, and I also think that's what books these days. I just, I don't think anything too precise and too clean like that I think it, it sounds manipulated and people know it and it just, it turns people off a little bit. So, um, you know, I don't recommend a, a high level of editing. If there's things that you can do on your sound to maybe, again, take out maybe a little of background noise, maybe a little dead air, maybe whatever that may be. If there's, if you're sophisticated enough to be able to eliminate some of that, great. Um, but in terms of, you know, editing down, I mean, the, and again, some of it changes. I mean, it's different for me in commercial than say in animation. I mean, I think there's, there are things in a commercial where I wouldn't recommend cutting and splicing. You know, I'm doing like, I really like the first part of this read and put this over here. I, I think you feel that. And I think you hear that. I think it's important to have one read and one feel. I think in animation, if you're doing a seven or eight page script and there's one part that you thought was really funny over here and there, there I think you can manipulate and slice a little bit because it's not as continuous, you know, in terms of um, what that read sounds like. So I think it does vary depending on the, you know, depending on the market you're talking about and this and that, but, you know, long winded way to say overall, you know, a little bit editing is okay, but, but anything much beyond that I think is, is counterproductive. And if people are doing things like they are adding some EQ or they're compressing or things, something outside of volume, what is your opinion? Yeah, um, I don't like it, and I, and I, and that's. I also say that in realizing everyone's different, you know, and that includes the buyers. My my main thing is obviously you want to make sure, for the most part, you're in line with what the buyers like, um, and for the most part, I I think they want to hear you, you know, and they don't necessarily want to hear that others like look we can do that from this end later. I'm not I I I, I don't. You know, but then again, every once in a while you find somebody like, oh, wow, if they can do that there and then maybe they can edit the whole spot or they can do whatever, um, you know, and there's a, maybe there's a few people that do like it. So, it's, you know, I think it's important to, in some, the most important thing I've, in, over the years in talking to, you know, actors and some other folks is to, to realize, you know, every once in a while I'll get something like, well, I got so-and-so who's an agent, they said this. And I'm like, okay, like, it doesn't, 
it doesn't necessarily mean one's right or one's wrong. Like some, we, there are some of this that's, you know, there are certain things that are just yeses and nos in the business, right? But then there's also a, lot, a few different things that are just how certain preferences go. And so you're going to have different preferences with different people, whether it be on the agent side or the buyer side. And, you know, that's just a reality. It's not all, you know, true or false questions. So um, I think that's something that's important to, to kind of say, because sometimes people say, well, so it's this. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Wait, what do you, you want me to change my answer? This is what I like. You're like, whatever. What I really like, though, about your point of view is that for as complicated as all this can be, and yeah, someone can spend 10 grand on a mic, and th- that might be a fun hobby and, and thing to research. <laughs> it seems like most of your answers are simple. Simple, honest, yeah. straightforward. Simple, honest, straightforward. I loved your answer on tech being what gives me a clean MP3. That is the that is the best fucking answer. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what I was looking for, but that was better than anything I was looking for, and that that gets to the heart of it really nicely. You know, you brought up something, and I do think it's important with the simplicity, and we do the same with when when helping set up. You know, we get a guy oftentimes that will help people get set up at home, and and he's very good about, and we we like this about him. He's very good about meeting what they're he knows what our bottom line criteria needs to sound like, but at the same time, he's also good about going where they want to go. Like they're like, I don't want to spend this. I don't want to do this, but I think I can get a thing. out. he's like, okay, if we do it in this space, I think if we, if you get this and this, we can get to where we need to be. Or if somebody wants to build out a huge studio, great, let's do that. You know? So um, I think that's the nice part is that there's, there's different ways to skin the cat. Um, you know, as long as yeah. He's actually helping me with my setup right now. Cause I'm really, oh, great. yeah, it's really, it's fun. Um, yeah. I did want to ask, because um, you brought this up a minute ago, is you know, part of your job is what do the buyers want? And mm-hmm. obviously, so much of what we're talking about, you just talked about how there's individual opinions everywhere. So right. speak for an entire side of the business here for me, please. <laughs> In general, trend-wise... Where would you say commercial buyers have gone in terms of their taste recently? And same question for animation. Yeah, I mean, I think there was, um, you know, in terms of commercials, we've we've kind of, except for certain aspects of COVID, um, which I'll touch on in a second, like, we haven't veered that much off of, you know, the regular guy, regular gal, non-announcery, you know, not a voice actor, but of course they want a voice actor, you know, kind of thing that has been, that has been there now for a while. Uh, And I think we've, like I said, during COVID, we had a little bit more of the maybe depth and warmth and understanding and serious and, you know, as we- In these trying times. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, and that's, which is obviously to be expected and, and that was fine and, you know, and that's great. Um, but we're already starting to revert back to, you know, that kind of regular fun, this and that. Like it's, for the last 10, 15 years, it's been sell this without selling it. You know, I mean, that that's kind of the best, simplest way to put it is that, you know, when I first started the business, it was the big booming announcer. It was like you wanted to notice the voice and you wanted all this stuff. And then for about the last 15 years, it's kind of like it's just a friend telling you what's going on, this and that. It doesn't, it's not anything that necessarily may stand out vocally or other things. And so that's that's kind of been the trend that's been there for, for quite some time now. Um, and animation, it just, animation always has depended more on where it's, where it's airing, you know, like what studios doing it, what those types of things. And I think just in general, we've certainly seen a lot more of, you know, through the advent of, you know, Hulu and Netflix and some of them doing their, um, their own animated projects. It's along that Fox line of very real, 
um, kind of comedic, but not putting on character voices per se um, type of stuff. A lot of celebrities doing it, you know, all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, with Nickelodeon and Disney, it was always a little bit more character-y, a little bit more. Th- and then you know, it just depends on what, you know, if it's, it's for a really young audience, it's going to be character-y. Um, if it's going to be more of an adult swim type thing, it's going to be, like I said, not as, not as cartoony, you know, not as things like that. So it's, you start to just, you get a better feel, um, depending on who's doing the project, where it's going to be shown, what the audience is, and you can kind of figure it out from there. Okay. That makes sense. Um, let's, let's move on a little bit. A couple other areas, because I know that you are a busy guy and I only got a little bit of your time. Um, if you're, you know, we talked earlier about how you don't get as much feedback in this business. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're somebody who hasn't been currently booking as much lately. What do you want to see as an agent to just see that that person is showing up for that? You know, yeah. At what point I mean, I do you address it? And what point do you relax and just go back to the next audition? Yeah. I mean, it, it, with us, and one of the things that's kind of, you know, so invaluable of having Jason, our booth director, who's been with us for 20 years, is that, yeah. you know, we trust him implicitly on, on, on knowing what's bookable, what isn't, what's there, what's not. And so a lot of what we're getting from clients, um, because we don't get much from the buyers, is it's our own personal uh, opinions on where they're at, you know, and how they're doing. We, we can have a client that hasn't booked in a year but they're doing great auditions and we know they are because we know what a great audition is. You know, we know what, you know, we know what sounds they are doing consistently. And, and, and I think as importantly as like, they're still on time, they're still, um, you know, reading on time is still, you know, and, and not discouraged and kind of just doing their thing. That's great. There are times where obviously if someone hasn't booked in a while and come up and go, Hey, what can I do? Like I'm freaking out. Doesn't it? And I'm like, all right, first off, Unfortunately, that's a problem because you that starts to build on itself. That that doubt, and I I don't blame them for doing it. I get why. It's you like this is a validation business, and when you're not getting it, it can be a little tough to self get there. Um, but once you start questioning some of that, then it starts to show up in the reads. And and we've had that over the years. We've seen somebody where I'm like, this person's going through a divorce. They're 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 having to sell their house. Is like, and I can hear it in the reads. You know, and it yeah. sucks because there's not much that can be done at that point other than to try to you know hopefully get lucky on something book something to reverse some of the you know some of the things and so that's a lot of it is just our own self-reliance ongoing um you know and there are times where it's like this person hasn't booked in a while and the reads are off you know and we need to address it you know we need to figure out why and what we can do maybe recommend sending them to somebody maybe get them out of the funk they're in and, and those types of things so it it doesn't necessarily mean that all is always fine. And we just hope that they book like there's, um, there's definitely times where there's something going on and, and something needs to be addressed and we need to kind of point them in the right direction to get them there. Um, but I have to say in this business these days, oftentimes I mean, there's times where I'm just like, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Like you're doing great stuff. Like I can't oh. tell you why this isn't booking right now. And then I've also seen that where I've had somebody do that maybe for two or three years and all of a sudden they book three or four things in a row, you know? So it's, it's just, it, because there's, this didn't happen when I first started. There was only a number of people in New York, Chicago, and LA that were doing this. You had to go into the, like it was, you know, archaic the way you look at it now, but it also limited the playing field. You know, like there, you didn't, you didn't have somebody who was giving great reads who didn't book for a year. It didn't happen because there wasn't that many people doing it. And eventually somebody would pop in and this and that. 
And so that's, to me, one of the big differences just over the years. And it's the, one of the toughest parts about being an agent because I, you know, as you know, we, we certainly always try to look at different angles of what can be going right and what can we do differently and this and that. And that's one of the angles where you kind of sometimes look at it and go, sometimes there is nothing. It's just, it's the sheer volume that we're dealing with. Um, and that's, it's tough to, it's tough to, you know, weed through sometimes. So I like that answer. I'm, I'm also curious more from the client side though, because I, I definitely appreciate the like, lean into it. It's okay. You might not book as much as you think you're supposed to. And I, I really think it's great to hear that from someone in your position. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, um, especially with on camera, which I just think a lot of people who listen to this are coming from um, sure. initially, you know, there's so much we encourage people to do in their acting career besides just their acting, you know, yes, be an acting class, but also be doing that workshop. And I want you to be meeting people at parties. And I want you to, are you spending 40 hours a week on that? What other things besides showing up to your auditions, doing them on time, taking care of yourself so you're not the person who's having to lose their house and you can hear it in their wheel. <laughs> Outside of those, you know, kind of, that's the first order of business for an actor. But are there other things that you want your clients doing um, and if so, what are they? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not that, you know, obviously it's all a little different over the last six months, right? You know, there aren't as many parties to go to some of these other, you know, networking events and things of that nature. Um, but in general, a lot of it's similar, you know, there are things where, you know, especially on the, you know, maybe not as much on the VO side commercially and, and some of these other things there, there used to be a couple more like ad based events and stuff, but at the same time, those usually weren't for actors. They didn't look kind of didn't like actors going to those as much. Um, so those were more for the agents to go and do some networking, but not as much for the actors. Um, on the animation side and some of those types of things, there are definitely more things out there that you can get involved with, whether it be classes, whether it be events um, that are going on at, at different, there's you know different workshops or different things. There are things that you can do to get yourself um, into a kind of a networking mix, you know, and, and it doesn't, it's that fine line too, where I'm like, not saying go to something and go, Oh, you're, you work in animation. Oh, I'm a, I'm a voice actor. Isn't that, it's just more about knowing where some of these events are and just where to go meet people. Like you don't even have to talk about the fact you're a voice actor. In fact, I recommend you don't at that first, you know, it's just meeting some of these people and then going, oh, and then, you know, next thing, you know, you, the third or fourth time you've interacted, you can go, Oh gosh, you do animation. That's crazy. I'm a voice actor. I do this. And they, they're more apt to want to help you rather than the, Typical. That's that's how I met Wes. He and I did not meet in professional circumstances in any way, shape, or form. And it was a while before I was like, what is, Wes is a wonderful and wild human being. What does he do? What does he do? Right. And and, and then it, it, it was it was such a funny coincidence. I, I love that so much. Um, you know, we're, we're nearing the end. So I want to, can we do like a, like a lightning round kind of thing? Sure. Where I can kind of hit through a number of these things. Yeah, you got it. Um, or at least as much as we can, because <laughs> right. I don't know how good these questions are for that. But here we go. Within voiceover, there's tons of different niches, right? There's promo, commercial, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you help people find their niche? Yeah, um, Basically, you kind of audition them, you're right. And 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 there's you know there's certain thing there's certain vocal qualities and and age groups and all that stuff that lend itself in general to some of them individuals. So like you may be more apt to say, hey, you should try these promos, you should try these commercials, you should do this. Uh, but most of it has to do with you know quick the acting background. Like are they? Some people come to us and are strictly more just 
BO and therefore kind of tend to more do commercials and this and that just because that's what they, and then oftentimes most of our clients are, are working actors and so um, oftentimes you know we'll at least explore the animation and gaming area because that's very natural to them and this and that and, um, and, and for us it's more about we'd rather expand on those and see where the fits are and then we can condense them if need be rather than miss out on something that somebody's great at but most of the time it's just after a couple months of working together trying some different things and then figuring out really where the strengths are and kind of honing in from there will you tell or suggest suggest is the right word will you suggest to a client that they do a promo demo if you only have a commercial one but you you maybe tried them out for it or would you expect them to do that on their own and bring it to you um, it, it depends. Like most of the time it's probably better, best for them just to, to bring that, like we want the client to be in charge of their career and what they want to do. That said, if we're sitting there and somebody's giving us some commercial reads that we were sitting there going, this person needs to read promos. We will let them know, like you need to figure, you know, go take a class, maybe put it together, demo together. This is an you know, let's try these auditions. And if they're as good as we think we are, this is a market you need to pursue. So, um, I, you know, Short answer is it varies a little bit. Most of the time, though, clients go, I really want to do this. And they go, we'll either let them know, I wouldn't put your money there because I don't think that's your strength. Um, or if you want it that bad, okay, go see someone and then maybe put a demo together and we can figure out whether that's something we can push and, you know, and we go from there. Great. Um, would, you, would you rep an actor who doesn't have a demo yet, but they have great sample auditions? Uh, not against it hundred percent. Like it's different now because it's always good to have a demo. Don't get me wrong. It just doesn't get used like it used to, like it used to be because it's so easy to get an audition. Everybody seems to want an audition. Like it used to be like, I mean, a demo, you'd put it onto a, you know, for us, we'd put it onto a, like a house CD, you know, and we'd mail it out to people and that was their calling card. And if they wanted an audition, it would take a couple of days because we'd read it, then we'd have to tape it, then we'd have to FedEx it. And this and that. Nowadays, you can get a read in 10 minutes, you know, yeah. so the demo itself isn't as necessary in terms of the demo itself is more about getting the agent, frankly. Yeah. Um, and if, um, if most of the time you're not going to get you're not going to be considered serious by us unless you're, you have the demo because I'm not going to just throw out auditions to someone I don't know has never really done VO before. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's a great credibility the, indicator. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, this person takes it seriously. They're into it. And there's something here and I can hear where they may fit more. You know, it's, it's not my job to predict where I think you might be able to be in voiceover, you know, before I figure out whether I want to take you on or not. You know, it's, yeah. I think that's part of it. There are certainly, you know, relationships you have with managers and other theatrical agents that may have a semi-celebrity or celebrity that's maybe hasn't done a ton, but their career is really growing. And, and it makes sense maybe to get them started in this avenue, because let's face it, also when you're a celebrity, there's a quick, sometimes can be a quicker track to VO success sure, as well. Sure, it's just course. the realities of the situation. So thanks Robin like Williams that. and Aladdin. Right, right. Exactly. You know, so. Way um, to go, Ellen. <laughs> Um, speaking of on camera, do you ever utilize someone's on camera materials as part of a voiceover submission? Like uh, uh, yes. whether it be a demo reel headshot, uh, even, or even just like booking news, you know, if someone is booked something on camera, is that relevant to you as an agent? For yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and you know, certainly for, um, 
video game stuff, oftentimes we'll use that because sometimes if they want performance capture and they want kind of both aspects of that, obviously an on-camera reel can almost be more beneficial even than the VO reel. Um, and then other times, granted, most of the times with celebs, they may not necessarily put together a VO demo, um, but we'll just, you know, we'll send off their theatrical stuff so that uh, the person can kind of see the range and, and stuff that they've done. Um, it can be helpful. Um, so it's certainly something that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll send out and be a part of it when that, when that's, you know, maybe all we have at our disposal. Great. This is the final three. We've entered the final three of the lightning. Exciting. Here we go. Here we go. Um, can you tell us one thing you've learned about the art of negotiating by being an agent? Hmm. Sounds like I've been doing it so long and <laughs> what the, you know, what that initial aspect was. I mean, I think, you know, a simple one for me is I always try to get them to, uh, quote a number first. One thing you never want to do is, you know, kind of get a feel for what their budget is and some of this stuff. You never want to quote something and then have them go, great. And you go, oh shit, like I, <laughs> I could have gotten more. I blew that. Um, you know, so it's always kind of, you know, to try to get a feel for it because no matter what they tell you, you can be like, well, that's not going to work unless you can get up to here. And then if they're lying to you and they want you bad enough to figure it out. So, um, you know, just kind of a, a basic, you know, negotiating tactic on that side. Um, uh, is that to me. Um, and then also it just, you know, it depends on who you're dealing with. I mean, I think that the nice part about doing it for a while is that you start to get an idea too, depending on who you're dealing with, the people you, I don't want to say can trust, but let's face it, people you can trust, you know, and be like, hey, I know that they're, I've worked with them enough over the years to know that when they tell me this is all they can do, this is all they can do. And then there's other people I know that they're full of shit. And so I could probably keep pushing. And does that, so it's some of it's as much as reading the person you're working with and dealing with track record of that, um, as much as anything else. That's great. Do you have any non-official class or book endorsements? Um, Not yeah, box I mean, sponsored, but just that you, you like these people and you just, you know, they do good work. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I was just on the phone with them. Um, uh, Kathy Kalmanson this morning, uh, you know, casting director who I've been doing for years, and um, they've had a, a you know a great uh, class uh, structure there for a number of years. You know, and we've sent a lot of clients there, and um, it's always been a good. Uh, uh, you're always going to get something out of it. You know, let's put it that way. And, and, and quite frankly, there's there's a lot we've dealt with. Um, some of the years, you know, Elaine Craig is is fantastic, and she's doing you know some more classes these days. Carol Kimball. Um, you know, I'm probably gonna, I'm going to leave some folks out because I'm not thinking. But uh, um, it's there, just non-official. Yeah, <laughs> right. Official Vox statement. This is a this, yeah, right. this was a gotcha question. Is what this really was. <laughs> uh, well, let's end it with this one. Um, you're from Boston, correct, or Massachusetts? That's correct. So, how are you a New York Giants fan? Yeah, so that's uh, it's it's actually a pretty simple and boring story. But it uh, it happened. My dad grew up on Long Island. And so um, he was there, uh, you know, grew up there his whole life as a huge Giants fan. And when I was really young, we actually lived in uh, Connecticut before we moved to Boston. Um, and the only games we'd get on TV are Giants games, um, you know. And so my dad was a Giants fan and we all just became Giants fans. And it's fun. Like people forget this. But I moved to Boston in 1986 and was there through high school. Um, no one cared about the Patriots. They stopped, like they were the least, I mean, they, they, I mean, nobody disliked them. You just didn't, they were irrelevant. And so I, again, we, we always got Giants games and I was a Giants fan and no one cared that I was a Giants fan because no one cared about the Patriots. And that was the end of that. And so I was just, it Those just stayed with me. Must have been very, very intense for you, right? You rooting for the Giants and winning and probably everyone in your family 
hating you so much in that time and you just smiling exactly like that. Yeah, it was a weird, you know, it was a weird kind of, uh, you know, and then, you know, being there, I did kind of develop, like I'm a Boston fan for all the other sports, you know, so it, it, it definitely became, when I went to college, you know, and I had friends that were from New York and so we're high-fiving each other during football season and then during, during baseball season, we're taking swings at each other because I'm a Sox fan and they're Yankees fan, you know, so... And they always blame me, and they were right. But I was, I was, I was, I was the anomaly. But uh, that's kind of uh, that's the way my life's gone. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand the thing about the Patriots. I mean, I so I grew up a Warriors fan. I never yeah. liked another team. I stuck with them. But I'm used to that idea of no one knew that team existed. They didn't even right. dislike them. They didn't right. think they were a real team. And it was just irrelevance is the best. And way now to they hate it. them and think they've hated them forever, um, which I take pride. And in. you actually, I mean, you went to. You went to some finals games, right? Oh, like you were in the arena for in, some of the big ones. In 2015, it really occurred to me that like Steph Curry could roll an ankle and I might never see this again. And right. I need to, like, I, I'm going to tell my future grandkids about these goddamn <laughs> games. And I, and I made it my fucking business. And I tell you, there I have is. memories that whenever I'm having a bad day, I can go and I can just imagine Steph Curry hitting a three-pointer as time expired to win the entire series against the Grizzlies. And, just and you like, will oh. ever in your life regret going to do that you know that's no. just no no uh, money can't buy happiness but it, it did buy that happiness it can buy that so, memory forever it, it did buy that so you know I, i'm <laughs> all for it um tom thank you so much for giving me some time and for Absolutely. all uh just awesome uh candid clear uh helpful answers i'm sure this is going to be so helpful to people i've had uh, so. a lot of voiceover talent on here and coaching mm. but the business side has been pretty lacking so far and so i really think that i, I just appreciate it so much and I know yeah, of course my pleasure man it's good to see you i know the class the the questions i get all the time is just even from on-camera actors about it like they this is so awesome so cool. so lovely to see your face i hope we connect more and um that's too. all right sounds good bud cool. take care hey Ken. thanks so right. much man bye you got it bye Okay, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Tom. Thank you to our sponsors, John Rosenfeld Studios and Actor Salon. Uh, we're going to be back next week for our final voiceover episode. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully I can make the audio sound even more pleasant to listening to. listen to. Uh, Look, if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at industrytownpodcast.com. And until then, stay safe, have a wonderful week, and that's it. 